Welcome to the Niches You. My name is Matt Gottesman at Matt Gottesman on Instagram, and this is my daily podcast where I create short, quick hitting episodes to help you uncomplicate life, creativity, and the pursuit of your highest self. There's only main character energy here. Now let's get into it. Welcome to episode 89. Before getting overwhelmed, can you remove the complexity? So before you get overwhelmed from something in particular right now that you need to focus on, or maybe a set of things you need to focus on, can you remove the complexity before continuing forward? And this question comes because I am reading the book Effortless, Make It Easy to Do What Matters Most by Greg McKeown, which is the follow-up to Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. As a recap, remember in Essentialism, it was all about expanding on the things that matter most. Can you remove 90% of the unimportant things? Because basically saying 90% of everything that whether we worry about, we focus on, we're distracted by is unimportant. And I tend to agree with that. To find the 10% that matters most. And once we find that 10% and those things are essential, can we also make doing all the things for the things that matter most effortless? And it's not to say that there's no work It's to say, how do we approach things so we don't get overwhelmed by the work and we don't get stressed out or when there are new things that we may not even know how to do or there's new areas within our our health or, you know, our finances or our business or whatever it is that we're, you know, or our families, whatever it might be, instead of being overwhelmed by it, can we find a way to remove any of the complexities that are maybe plaguing us mentally in our approach to them, right? And so there's a section in the book uh, early on, the first third. I'm only in the first third of it right now. And uh, it's called Effortless Inversion. Carl Jacobi, the 19th century German mathematician, developed a reputation as someone who could solve especially hard and intractable problems. His idea was inverting. One must always invert. To invert means to turn an assumption or approach upside down, to work backward, to ask, what if the opposite were true? Inversion can help you discover obvious insights you have missed because you're looking at the problem from only one point of view. Now, while this could probably go into, you know, society at large, we're not going to go there. This is more about really just focusing on certain areas within your own life. It says it can highlight errors in our thinking. It can open our minds to new ways of doing things. Assuming that all worthwhile things take enormous effort is one way of looking at a problem, right? How often do we say, oh my God, there's going to be so much that goes into all of that. It's going to take so much effort to, to achieve that. Uh, and it's almost like we talk ourselves out before we even start. And yes, of course, if we're tied to a purpose of it, we're going to start and we're going to want to do it. But can we also enjoy the process more? Well, that's kind of what this book is also dedicated to. So, uh, you know, assuming that all worthwhile things take enormous effort is one way of looking at a problem. For many overachievers, it's the only way. They've learned how to solve problems even when exhausted or overwhelmed. They are good at getting things done by powering through. Now, I can't speak for you all, but that was definitely me for quite some time. And sometimes that can still be me when I'm not, you know, taking a moment to take a step back, rest, and look at something a little bit differently and say, how can I do this better? And so he says, effortless inversion means looking at problems from the opposite perspective. It means asking, what if this could be easy? It means learning to solve problems from a state of focus, clarity, and calm. It means getting good at getting things done by putting in less effort. 
There are two ways to achieve all the things that really matter. We can, A, gain superhuman powers so we can do all the impossibly hard but worthwhile work, or get better at making the impossibly hard but worthwhile work easier. Once we invert the question, even everyday tasks that seem too overwhelming to tackle become easier. And I'm going to read a section from the book to give you kind of an idea of just one of the examples he gives. And it's a definitely a worthwhile book. Uh, maybe I'll link it here in the, in the show notes. And also, you know, be sure to check out the free clarity workshop because that'll actually also help with some of the templates in there. Now, um, again, we, uh, the book is addressing a lot of these different quotes about why we think things have to be hard. It could just be that maybe we haven't um, thought deeper into doing something. So we're doing maybe less things to make an even to the, the same or even better outcome happen. So it's not that there's no work involved. It's that you're changing your lens to give yourself a minute to think through what would be the most optimized way of doing this. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to read a section uh, but I just I, I thought this one this particular this section was particularly interesting. Um, but it's interesting. Like uh, earlier in the book, he mentions our language helps to reveal our deeper assumptions. Think of these revealing phrases. When we accomplish something important, we say it took blood, sweat, and tears. We say important achievements are hard earned when we might just say earned. We recommend a hard day's work when day's work would suffice. Then there are ways our language betrays our distrust of ease. When we talk of easy money, we are implying it was obtained through illegal or questionable means. We use the phrase, that's easy for you to say, as criticism, usually when we are seeking to invalidate someone's opinion. It's curious to me how we default to sayings like, it won't be easy, but it's worth it, or it's going to be really hard to make that happen, but we should try. It's like we all automatically accept that, quote unquote, the right way is inevitably the harder one. Right. And that's the precursor to the part I'm about to read. And why I want to bring that up is because I'm I, this happens to me, too. Sometimes I, I think, oh, my God, there's going to be so much involved. How is that ever going to get done? How are we ever going to do this? And it's almost like mental exhaustion. We work ourselves out of the thing before sometimes we even start or we we procrastinate because we are scared to uh, get into all the things that it might encounter but i have found that when i take a step back and be like okay wait 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 wait, what's involved to do what i'm trying to do and then is there an easier way to do it if we ask ourselves those two questions before anything our mind like a muscle will start to do that automatically over time with nearly everything so there's this the story he gives uh, in the in the book, uh, and it was talking about Southwest Airlines uh, when they were faced with a different kind of crisis. Uh, ever since the airline's founding, its business model had depended on keeping costs low and turning planes around on a dime after they landed. Right? Some of you guys probably know that. Both of these goals were incompatible with the traditional system for printing out tickets. Passengers were accustomed to the industry standard of being handed a printed ticket when they checked in for their flight. But because of the reservation system technology available at the time, producing paper tickets for each passenger was expensive. And they took too long to print at the gate. So executives were forced to decide whether to pay $2 million to build a modern ticketing system. In other words, what was happening was the industry uh, was already built a certain way where people were automatically relying on, on these uh, specific kind of paper tickets. And they were getting them a certain way. Well, you know, Southwest Airlines was already dedicated to 
uh, you know, being a more cost efficient airline without sacrificing quality. So obviously they can't have certain things that, uh, or do certain things that were as expensive as other airlines. And they also didn't necessarily agree with it, by the way. So the case for creating the new system was compelling. If we don't do it, management thought, we risk going out of business. But $2 million was a major hit to the bottom line for a low-cost carrier, especially for something that served no practical purpose other than to conform to the practice of the industry. You guys know how I feel about conformity. How can you do it better and different? Southwest co-founder Herb Kelleher insisted there had to be a better way. We are sitting in a management meeting trying to figure out what to do, he recalls, when someone piped up and asked, do we really give a damn what United thinks a ticket is? He's talking about United Airlines, I believe. Uh, isn't it more important that what we think a ticket is? Reflexively, we all said, no, we only care what we think a ticket is. So then the manager says, then why don't we just print out a single piece of paper that says this is a ticket? And that's what they did. Instead of wasting time and resources on building an expensive ticketing system, Southwest decided to issue, quote unquote, tickets that can be printed out on ordinary paper and obtained from no frills automatic dispensers. So no fancy technology, no fancy paper, right? Just a different type of paper and an easier way for the passenger to obtain it. And so free, uh, so it's right here where it says, merely questioning the necessity of the complex features and functions of an expensive ticketing system revealed a far simpler, cheaper, and easier to execute solution. Free of the assumptions that make your problem look hard, you would be surprised how often an easier solution appears. And I love that because it's so true. And he then says, we, when we remove the complexity, even the slightest effort can move what matters forward. We're no longer in stagnation. We're no longer just sitting around like, oh my God, there's going to be so much involved with this. Listen, overwhelm happens. But if we try to understand why the overwhelm is happening, and if we can dissect the pieces faster or practice dissecting them a little bit faster, not from overthinking, but from just changing the perspective, changing the lens. And I love uh, that um, uh, he was using in the book, um, just when a strategy is so complex that each step feels akin to pushing a boulder up a hill, you should pause, invert the problem, ask what's the simplest way to achieve this result. When we shelve the false assumption that the easier path has to be the inferior path, obstacles fade away. As these obstacles disappear, we can begin to uncover our effortless state. Now, in the book, the reason why he's talking about an effortless state is because he's essentially talking about basically flow state in a lot of ways. But uh, there's other things involved as well, too. And so I, I wanted to you know, bring this to your attention that the question is, first of all, can this be done easier or what all is involved? Sorry, first question is what all is involved? And the second question is, can this be done easier? And you're not looking for an easy way out. You're looking for a more efficient way to do something that is purposeful with your time, actually respectful of your time. And so I, I implore you guys to, uh, uh, to check out this book, Effortless, and just to give you kind of a, a, an idea, it's, it's divided into three parts, effortless state, effortless action, and effortless results. And so um, in this first section, invert, what if this could be easy? Enjoy, what if this could be fun? Release the power of letting go. 
Four, rest, the art of doing nothing. And five, notice how to see clearly is part of the effortless state, right? And so even what if this could be fun is a great exercise in thinking that part of removing the overwhelm is when you look at what's right in front of you and take that extra minute or two to see a different lens or see how you would do it differently or see what you would incorporate more of what you're maybe already good at. And then instead of becoming bored or burnt out from the thing that you're already good at, using that to actually elevate the mundane thing that you may not want to be doing, right? So taking your, your core strengths or taking something that your way of doing basically this is a lot about this is your way of doing things and finding efficient ways of doing things and then applying them actually to sometimes very mundane things and he gives examples from you know building something in the garage or for the house to doing the dishes you know all these other activities um we don't have to get overwhelmed by having to do everything but we can find easier ways to do the things that do matter most so that way we don't get completely burnt out from them. And so think about that, you know, next time you are feeling overwhelmed, I know a lot of you guys are probably like, I, I can see clearly or I know what I wanna do, but I'm having a hard time you know, getting off the ground or I'm having a hard time doing it. You might be thinking about how exhausting all the things are to do it. I, I actually find this a lot with content creators and online creators. And I believe me, I get that more than ever because I am one as well. Uh, I don't just, I'm not just an entrepreneur or a writer. Like I, I'm an online creator. I'm a digital creator. I do a lot of things in the digital world. And when you look at the vastness of that and how much video there could be or writing or all the different platforms, all the different social media, all the different, the email, the podcasting, all these things can be very overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. And so even the class I'm going to be teaching coming up is how to look at the world of everything that you want to create and focus on that 10% that matter the most, but be efficient in the process and taking that efficiency and amplifying the value, amplifying what you're trying to accomplish so you don't burn out. As creators, as entrepreneurs, as businessmen and women, as uh, solopreneurs, as organizations, we cannot burn out and, and allow our strengths, our good energy to deplete. So before getting overwhelmed, can you remove the complexity? Ask yourself, what is involved? And then ask yourself, can this be done easier? How can I remove the complexity? Can this be done easier? I appreciate you guys as always. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Please continue to leave the written reviews on Apple. They are growing. Uh, our community is growing. Our number of listeners is growing. I'm so grateful for you guys. And I just, I truly appreciate all the love. And until next episode, I'm out. All right, that's it. We'll stop there for right now. I hope you found this helpful and applicable in some way. I want you to remember, you do not need to fit in. And you certainly do not need to fit into some category or title nor be put into some box. The niche is you. It always has been. Please share this with a friend and be sure to leave a rating and review. Your feedback means everything to me. And also, thank you for listening and supporting me. If you're new and you want to receive these the moment they come out, please text me 480-530-7352. Text me podcast. I promise to only send you the good stuff. Thank you. And until next time, I'm out.